Good morning, Nelly. Good morning, Hallie. Lauren. Good morning, <laughs> Lauren. Hello. Hi. So, last time we released an episode, um, we said that we were going to have a special guest, and today we have Miss Lauren. What up, what up, what up? Fun Hi. round of applause. Fun fact, this is actually the second time we've recorded this episode. <laughs> um, the first time we recorded it, I didn't have any audio, so it was just, like, a good time. That would have been funny if you would have just, like, posted that one and it just had, like, little gaps of, like, dead space in it, <laughs> like, voiced over over top of it. I debated I voicing over over top of it. I felt so bad. I felt so bad. Oh my gosh, no. Like I said, like... Half the time that I'm, like, recording, like, the amount of episodes where, like, I've had to, like, redo, like, the audio is just, like, super whack. Podcasting is harder than you think it is. It really is. It's a struggle. Yeah. Okay. It is so early, you guys. That's so funny. I have, like, because I'm two hours ahead of y'all, so it's, like, almost, like, nine o'clock here, and, like, I showered. I went for a walk. I (laughs) self-tanned. I had a morning. <laughs> Allie and I just rolled out of bed. <laughs> yep. <laughs> exactly what happened. I got dressed at least. Nice. You just know, look fancy. It took fancy over the Zoom, not in your pajamas. For sure. It's a really official thing. So. For sure. <laughs> for sure. Okay, well, to do this again, um, Lauren, tell yeah. us about yourself. Who okay. are you? All right. So, hi. My name is Lauren. I am 23 years old, and currently I live in a suburb of Chicago. I'm finishing up my last semester at college. I am a musical. Actually, that's a lie. I'm a theater major because I didn't want to pay $800 for piano lessons. So, I'm a theater major, not a musical theater major, but I'm basically a musical theater major with a minor in dance. Um, I work at a coffee shop. I... I'm a Libra, which is important because I feel like that explains my personality <laughs> and the quirks that I have. And I am currently in recovery from anorexia and orthorexia. And I have a younger sister. I have two extremely supportive parents. I have a dog. My favorite color is probably yellow or like I'm also really into like the basics. So like nudes and like grays and everything. My wardrobe, like if you look at my closet, actually that's a lie. I'm getting better at adding color to it. But for a while it was all like the same exact like three shades. Um, (laughs) And I have a podcast of my own. And that's how I met these two lovely ladies. So yeah, that's just a little bit about me. Speaking of your podcast, go ahead. Shameless me promote. Let me hear it. I'm going to plug it. I'm going to plug it. So I have a podcast. It's called We Eat the Fucking Food, where it's almost it's like the same idea of this one, where it's just some casual conversations around the topic of eating disorders and body image and recovery. And I've had it for I think it's been a year now. It's been one year since we started the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not the great is that like posting on a schedule but my goal and my hope is that after graduation I'll be able to focus a lot more time and energy into building my platform up a little bit more and really getting on a schedule with the podcast and yeah so that's soon to come I'm very excited that is so exciting lots to look forward to oh (laughs) I thought Janelle was gonna talk (laughs) 
And then we just had this awkward pause. I was just like, you're just staring at each other like... We were, we were trying to decide what was coming next. Um, Speaking of your podcast, why... Oh, yeah. What, like, made you decide to start it and encourages you to keep going with it? Yeah, so... I started a podcast with a friend that I met in residential Georgia, and we started it because it was one day after um, my last day of PHP, and that day was legitimately one of the worst days of my whole entire time in treatment. It was just not, it wasn't a fun, it was not a fun time, a lot of crying, a lot of crying, but then uh, we went out to our cars, and mine, my battery had, like, died, so we were waiting for somebody to come and jumpstart it, and we were just kind of, like, messing around, like, doing little bits off of, like, TikToks that we had, like, seen, like, there was a popular, like, one with these two people that, or at least was on my For You page all the time, and they would just go, like, <laughs> picture me this, picture me this, and get, like, their faces really close, and we're, like, we should do that, but we should do that about, like, eating disorders, because, like, we're funny, it can be kind of funny, so we made said TikTok, but I didn't post it until, like, three months later, and then one night I just decided to post it and it blew up and kind of became this like viral video. And we were like, wait a second, let's take this momentum and let's start something. Cause both of us are very passionate about advocating for eating disorders and like educating about them. But we realized that within that there weren't that many forms of like media specifically about recovery other than from like, say a registered dietitian, like a therapist, there are like some really great ones about people in recovery, like talking about it, but there weren't any that showed almost like the lighter side and the more like humorous side to it. And we were like, maybe we found this like little niche thing that we can like tap into and form this community around making, not to dismiss like how challenging and how hard recovery is and how serious an eating disorder is, but to kind of make light of it and to be able mm. to bridge the gap between those who either struggle themselves or know somebody that struggles and just people that want to have more of an awareness about it. So that's how that one came about. And what keeps me like continuously wanting to like start doing it more and more, like I feel like I go through like phases where I'm like, I have this time, let me like record a couple episodes and then it's like, I'll go radio silent for like a couple of months, but I always get brought back to it because I get like DMs or I have like messages from people being like, I just recently found your podcast and like, it really, really helped me. Or like, I'll have friends and family like reach out being like, I just listened to your podcast for, like the first time. Like I had this one friend reach out to me and he was one of the first people I told about my eating disorder. And like when I told him originally, he was kind of didn't understand it like at all. And he was over probably like a month ago and was like, Oh, I finally listened to your podcast. And honestly, like it really helped me. And he was one of those people where like, I would have never guessed that he would ever struggle with food. Like he was like one of those dudes that would eat like a pint of ice cream every single night. And I, to the fact that like he got something out of the podcast was like, if any, for anything, I'm doing it now for him. Like I'm doing it just for like those, those like single people might help. And yeah, so that's what keeps me motivated to keep doing the podcast. I Plus, I like that. talking. It's kind of fun. Yeah, a little fun. Yeah, definitely. What made y'all start your podcast? Good question. You know? Um, actually. You did, Lauren. What? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you did. Do you well, wanna... Yeah, I'll, I'll take it. Um, story time. Story time. 
One day, Holly and I met up in Centralia, Washington, which is about the central port between Portland and Seattle, which is kind of the general area where Holly and I are from. And we met up at this cute little diner called Country Cousin. (laughs) It was very funny. I told my brother that we were going to meet there, and my brother's like, well, that gives off Alabama vibes. (laughs) We love Alabama, though. We do. Yes. Put that in. Nothing against Alabama. If you're listening from Alabama, shout out to you. Shout out to you. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. But so we met up and we just like we had a good time together. And before we left, I told Holly, I was like, Holly, you've got to listen to this podcast that I found. It's so awesome, and it talks about eating disorders in like a light that's actually finally relatable. Yeah. Um. And it's, like, a cute story how I found Lauren's podcast. Um, I was sitting in treatment, and my old therapist was like, Janelle, I really want you to find a podcast that you like that you can listen to about eating disorder treatment. And so I went through, and I found a couple different ones. And kind of like Lauren was saying, like, I found um, ones by registered dietitians and by therapists and stuff that are educated in eating disorders, but they just didn't click with me in the same way until I found Lauren's, and she was chatting with her friend about just kind of, like, real-life recovery things, and I told Hallie, I was like, you have to listen to it, it's so wonderful, and then Hallie, you can take it from here. (laughs) I was like, "Mm, okay, and so I took the suggestion, and I was like, I don't know if I'm actually gonna listen to this podcast, But I had like an hour and a half drive home, had just had a Red Bull. I was ready for life. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I don't drink Red Bulls either, so I was ready. Dude, I love energy drinks. You ever drink a Celsius? No. Celsius are my favorite thing. Since I work at a coffee shop, coffee doesn't, not to tangent this, but since (laughs) I work at a coffee shop, coffee doesn't really affect me that much. But Celsius is, give me the burst of energy I need to get through my day. So um I decided to listen to the podcast on my way home. I listened to like the first episode and I was hooked. And then I called Janelle and I was like, Janelle, this podcast is amazing. And she was like, I know, right? But before we had left, Janelle was like, What if we started a podcast? And I was like, yeah, like we totally could. I'll be there. And <laughs> and then um, totally didn't think it was going to happen or like be a thing that we did. But as after I listened to your first episode and we, Janelle and I talked, we decided to do it. And we started making plans. And up until it actually happened and started, I didn't believe we were going to do it. I was in, like, utter shock (laughs) that we actually (laughs) filmed an episode when we filmed an episode and released it. And I was like, what is this? Like, Janelle, we really actually just did that. (laughs) I love that. uh, I know I, like, said this yesterday. Yep two days ago but to reiterate it as well like I'll never stop saying it I cannot express how thankful and like proud I am of both of you for deciding to start a podcast too especially Mm -hmm. about this because I think when we talked we did talk about this and we'll talk about it again but being able to share your stories and be that vulnerable on such like 
a large platform that can reach so many people, I feel like is so, so important and powerful. And you can find so much like strength in that. And I hope that both of you are finding that like strength and that power and that like pride within sharing your story and sharing your voices because they're so, so important. So kudos to both of you for taking the leap and doing the do. Thanks, Lauren. What you're doing is very important right now, and I hope you're <laughs> What it's you're changing, doing is changing Im- people's lives. What you're doing <laughs> is important too, Lauren. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the vulnerability aspect of having a podcast is insane and like something I didn't know if I was ready for. Mm-hmm. But and it's, it's like so awesome at the yeah. same time. And like almost what I found so motivating about having it too is like within that vulnerability, like I, if I'm being honest about something in the podcast and like sharing something or like expressing the way that I feel, like I don't want the image or the persona that I am giving out to the world to be any different than who I actually am. So it adds this like level of accountability as well. That's like, I can't have this podcast where I'm advocating for recovery and advocating for like eating disorder awareness while still being so engulfed with diet culture and like my behaviors and my urges. So it almost was a push over like an edge to really shed that sense of control that the eating disorder gave me and wanting to still have it because eating disorders like we all know are so isolating and can become super super like make you great liars it makes you fantastic liar and so true yeah and to be able to challenge that like every week with such a large audience I feel like is so beneficial to one's recovery yeah. Have, you, have either of you, I know that this is only episode two, but have either of you like noticed that within your own recovery that like with now like becoming, I don't want to use the word like influencers, but just like recovery advocates on Instagram and on social media that that has influenced your own recovery and like your um, honesty and like openness within that and within your team, and within your family and like your struggles and made any changes in the way that you like view it or see it. I would say, oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, like, I definitely have been becoming more vulnerable, like, since doing the podcast. Like, I actually just made a post on Instagram the other day. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Yes, you did. (laughs) I said it to Hallie. I was like, Hallie, should I post this? And she's like, yes. (laughs) Yes. But I just made that post on Instagram and... It was, like, right after we had recorded our episode, and I was feeling, like, extra ready to be vulnerable. I was, like, I really want to share this podcast. I want it to reach people, and I've had a friend, like, message me and say, like, thank you for doing this podcast because it finally gives me a way to kind of connect with, like, your recovery and how to best support you, mm-hmm. and so, like, it's just been a really big pleasure, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I think for me, like the accountability aspect of having the um, podcast of like, I, I'm preaching these things. I'm being like, yes, recovery is great. And I think that keeps me accountable in my own recovery, kind of like what you were saying, Lauren, of I'm, I'm saying these things and I'm also going to live my life that way. But when there's slips and there's like backwards movement but not really backwards um 
I'm going to be honest and open and vulnerable about it. And I think in that way, it's helped my recovery because I've been even more honest with like the people around me of like, yeah, this happened or like I am sitting here and I'm fighting with my eating disorder. And now what do I want to do? I want to do this recovery focus thing even more because I already wanted to do it, but even more so because this is something I'm sharing and like, it's okay to have those hard days and times where like, you know, the ED wins at times and keeping yourself accountable is so important. So, and I feel like, yeah, yeah, three thoughts on that, that just came up from both of your topic points. But one of them is like, I feel like that that's so important too, is that like, being able to share those struggles and to share that recovery is not linear. Like it's not beautiful. It's not perfect. Like I, when I started the podcast, I never, never, never thought that I was going to end up back in a higher level of care, but I was in PHP like a couple of months ago. And it's like, that's what happens, but you keep moving forward. And I feel like being able to document that and show that and show the reality of it, but to show the reality within a lens that's so easily like digestible no pun intended, but pun intended. Pun intended. By people that struggle, that don't struggle with eating disorders, like being able to have this more of a conversation and a casual conversation and not so much of like the seriousness and like the heaviness of it, I feel like makes it a lot more approachable and it makes it seem like a less like daunting, scary thing. Like I know that I've had a handful of people in my life that I, didn't know struggled with eating disorders, but reached or disordered eating, but reached out to me and were like, after listening to your podcast, it really made me really evaluate like my relationship with food. And it's like, if not for, I think podcasts of this topic and of this kind of like vibe that we are creating, it wouldn't, they wouldn't ever have or gain this knowledge because of how sometimes intense the information can seem and how like again, like heavy it can be if you're getting it from, say, a registered dietitian, from a therapist versus like just hearing three girls talk about their experience with the recovery in this super casual conversation makes it easier for people to, one, connect with it and want to figure out how to best support. And to also, I feel like, end the stigma around eating disorders, because I feel like we as a society have done a pretty decent job at ending it around like anxiety and like depression and like toxic, like suicide and becoming having those not be as cliche topics and uncomfortable topics to talk about but yet I still feel that the conversation around eating disorders has this weird thing around it where people don't either want to address it because of how engulfed we are with diet culture and how they don't want to have to actually address the privilege that they have either in their like thin bodies or the privilege that they have with being able to have such an emphasis on the types of food they're eating or their um, way that they move their bodies. And when addressing that, like privilege and seeing it, like it can be super uncomfortable and like really upsetting. Like I know for me, like struggling with the amount of internalized fat phobia that I have from my childhood and that I, from just, or I feel like our generation growing up on the internet and seeing mm-hmm. our parents, like even like in like the nineties, like, I don't know, if your parents, my parents like really didn't diet, but like that was like such a big thing. And like with the commercials that we saw on TV and just like having that be such a normalized thing that there doesn't sometimes seem to be like a reality outside of it. 
but right. I feel like by having podcasts like ours, it is like shedding that thought that everybody has about eating disorders and like what they actually are and like that, oh, that could never happen to me. Like I know at least for me, and I'm not sure how either of you feel about this, but before I was diagnosed, I was like, I don't ever think I can have an eating disorder. Like that's that's yeah. not for somebody like me and not to say that I'm, that's not me being like, I'm better than anybody that has an eating disorder. Like obviously <laughs> I'm not, I literally, I literally have an eating disorder, so what? I'm not. I know, crazy, but that I was like, that would never happen to me because it seems like such a distant thing. But I feel like we're all so connected to diet culture and to senses and like of disordered eating. And then it's become such an okay thing specifically. And I know that both of y'all's, are you in college yet? Or are you about to be? Yeah. yeah. And like specifically on college campuses, like the prevalence of disordered eating and eating disorders is huge, but nobody talks about it. Right. Like at all. Yeah, that was nope. a tangent, but <laughs> no, I loved it. Yeah. So kudos to us for having these podcasts and for <laughs> and on eating disorders. I yeah, love I love your um, eating disorders. I feel like still have a massive stigma around mm-hmm. it. Of like this is what it looks like. This is how like someone with an eating disorder looks. Um, this is how it comes about. It's like I think still viewed in a light of like it's about this um external thing Mm -hmm. and not like it's a mental illness and even like with insurance companies and programming like they look at the medical side of things but not the mental health side Mm -hmm. of things so much and yeah I could go on a tangent too but um be a bitch but I agree completely that like eating disorders have this image to them sadly about being I feel like a very superficial thing to struggle with because it's like oh like someone with an eating disorder just doesn't want to eat somebody with an eating disorder just has like body image issues and like that type of thing and it's like oh my goodness is so much deeper than that like so so much deeper than that like it's not about the food like the food it's like from the outside looking in sure that's what you see like the actual struggle but at least for me I know that mine was rooted like so so much deeper than just the desire to be quote unquote like socially attractive and within those standards that society wants one to look like and is considered attractive but yeah yeah yeah. and I feel like even as someone like currently like with an eating disorder like I carry a lot of shame around it because of Mm -hmm. the stigma that like follows it because in in my eyes I know that it's so much deeper than just I don't want to eat, I want to look a certain way, like, it's rooted in, like, actual, like, mental health disorders, and, mm-hmm. um, but, like it's, it's literally a mental disorder, yeah, 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 but I carry so much shame about it, because, I, like, it feels like it's my choice, mm-hmm. mm. I feel that, I know yeah. that I, I've really, really struggled with that, and struggled with the shame around having an eating disorder, especially in the beginning of my recovery, because I know that, it's a common like thought and saying that like nobody would ever choose an eating disorder. Like nobody would ever like want to have this, but I know at least in my experience, I have such a vivid memory of like looking at myself in the mirror, my sophomore year of college being like, I'm going to become anorexic. I think I'm going to become anorexic. Like I'm just gonna, like, that's what I want to do. So I really, really had a lot of shame and embarrassment about that and about not being able to say like relate to that but I just remember one of my last days at residential processing that and 
group therapy and one of my friends said to me you may have chose to have an eating disorder but at some point it didn't become your choice anymore like you yeah yeah, it's it just takes over you and it's such a bigger thing than I think that people think that it actually is and that's what makes it so hard to recover from eating disorders too because I feel like there's so many different like outlets that eating disorders like can thrive in like it's like all Mm -hmm. right so I feel like this past year like is an example I really feel like I was able to attack that anorexic voice that was inside my head and like really lost any urges or wants and desires to restrict or like act on those behaviors but I was still struggling so much with the orthorexic mindset that that's what triggered and really like fueled my like recent relapse is that and like the body image that I just wasn't great with is leaving right. and I just remember like living in a body that I was like this isn't my body this isn't what I'm supposed to look like like this isn't how I'm supposed to exist because I had convinced myself that I had spent the past like three years existing in the body that wasn't actually mine like that was not my body that was my sick body that the disorder like latched onto that like image so I had to do like that work and then you have to do the work of like the mental like actually getting over your like bitch foods and like challenging that mm-hmm. and then you have to do looking at like all right where did this come from is do I have sadly any like trauma related to it and it's like mm-hmm. there's it's such a bigger picture than the little part that people see and oh, that's yeah legitimately and I feel like there's such a disconnect my dad says and I say this all the time my dad has this great like saying that people that are suffering like from eating disorders on the outside they'll never be able to understand it and you'll never be able to like explain it and that's why there's just this huge gap and this huge unawareness and not like being able to fully like understand and like educate about it but I feel like again not to be like tooting our own horns for starting these podcasts but like podcasts (laughs) of this style and with this help bridge that gap like so well because it's almost like you're just getting a look inside like this honestly and I think the reason why I (laughs) I love doing the podcast too is because this feels like group therapy like it honestly (laughs) you're sitting in a process group and that's the one that's literally uh, the one thing I really miss from treatment is being able to sit in like group therapy and talk to people that also have the same some of the same experiences as me or the same like thoughts and to hear their stories and what their realizations are because I feel like it's so easy to connect over this topic yeah yeah it yeah definitely I'm gonna go back to the stigma for a second if that's okay but please do um I remember when I first got my diagnosis, I went on a walk with a friend and we were talking about it and she asked me why I had an eating disorder. And the stigma ran so deep in like me and like the life that I lived and the people around me that I, as someone with an eating disorder was like, oh, because I don't like my body and the way it looks. And in reality, there was so much more to why I developed an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. It had nothing to do with how I looked. Mm-hmm. It was not a like a vanity or whatever issue. Like it was, I have trauma and yeah. like it was a coping skill. And so I think even for people like me with eating disorders, it the stigma can be so loud and like, prevalent in society and in your life that I didn't even realize yeah 
you know, how deep it ran for me. And when I got the diagnosis of anorexia, it wasn't like, hmm, I wonder like what, you know, brought this on. It was like, oh, I just like care about how I look. And so like, I am being vain or whatever. Mm-hmm. When in reality, it had nothing to do with that. Yeah. And like, I don't know about either of you, but like, I didn't recognize that or know that until not even I went so I my recovery journey I was diagnosed in January of 2019 with anorexia and orthorexia and then that following fall I went to PHP for the first time and then after that I I went to PHP I didn't actually go to recover I went to appease my parents and my family so I could go back to school and become a functioning anorexic which doesn't it's you can't do that you can't no spoiler alert to anybody out there that's thinking like maybe I could like keep this one behavior you can't I promise you I've tried I've and this is not trying to be like downer but I've tried every single way to still exist with eating disorder but like you can your life will be miserable it'll just somehow flood back in like fully like you really have to like knock all the ashes out but so I went to PHP and then I didn't realize that whole like that it wasn't about the food until my time in res like I fully believed to as well I was like these are just thoughts that I've had forever I'm never gonna not be like thinking this way like this is just me like this is just like a part of me like this is just a value that I have like I honestly thought that like beauty was one of my values it's not Mm. at all but I had this shame around I feel like actually struggling with like these mental health things and like my trauma or that I've adapted this extremely maladaptive coping mechanism Mm -hmm. that it makes people also not like not want to recover but I feel like because of the stigma if people like hesitate to actually reaching out and getting that diagnosis that they may like have or like even not to again tangent completely to a different thing but like the stigma within recovery of eating disorders and what they look like and how they should be and yeah the competition that like lies within that is honestly disgusting like Georgia and I I was I was before I came on this podcast on Sunday too when I was driving back I was listening to kind of some of the earlier episodes too and Georgia and I had a talk about on our second episodes when we were talking about like our reasons that we recover and like our stories as well about just like the stigma within recovery and within what certain eating disorders are supposed to look like and how like nobody that struggles from eating disorder will ever like look the same right and like even if we were all to eat the same thing we were all to like exercise the exact same way there's no way that we could all look the same and right but yeah 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 I feel like just kind of like touching on when you were talking about like becoming a functioning anorexic I feel like the problem that I, like, kept running into and that I still keep running into is, like, the idea of living versus surviving, and I feel like, become, like, there is a, like, possible way, honestly, that you can become a functioning anorexic, like, you can hold on to some behaviors and you can, like, survive through your life, but that's not living a life, that's not becoming, like, the person that you want to be that's not blossoming into, like, who you are as a person, and I feel like that's the issue that I've been running into, is I'm, like, I don't want to just survive through life, like, I want to live it, I want to experience it, I want to, yeah, 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 no, I completely agree, there's, I found myself in this quasi-recovery for such a long time, like, the way that my therapist explains it, it's, like, you can be relapsing, like, there's three stages, it's, like, you're relapsing, 
you can't function. You're like cycling in and out of treatment. Like that's say like stage one. Stage two is like this quasi recovery where you're able to exist. You're able to function. You're able to like live outside of your eating disorder, but you're still not living a full life. You're not living a life free of this confining like diagnoses and mental disorder. And then the final stage would be considered like you're recovered in a full recovery. And I found myself cycling like so much in the quasi recovery. And honestly, there was a point where I was like, I think I'm fine. If I'm in the quasi recovery forever, I'll be fine. But I know that it's like not lasting. And that's not what like life is about. Like, I don't want to be one of my main reasons for recovering is the fact that like, I don't want to be 80 years old, 50 years old, like looking back at my life and remembering every single great thing that happened because over the past five years that I have struggled with an eating disorder, like I've had wonderful things happen. I've signed by a professional talent agency. I booked some of my first like professional shows. I was in, now I look back at it and probably not the healthiest relationships, but I was like in relationships. Like (laughs) I had some great things happen to me, but every single thing that was great that happened also has a memory from the disorder there's something from that day that I was either like struggling with or some way that my eating disorder affected me. And it's like to be living basically almost like two lives. You're like, (laughs) this is going to be such a bad, a bad example, but it's like, (laughs) like Hannah Montana, like you're not, (laughs) but you're living two different lives. You have your eating disorder and you have like Hannah Montana is like your eating disorder. And like your Miley Cyrus is like you. And it's like not fun. That's not a fun way to be living that double personality or like a double life. It caught up to her eventually. Yeah, it did. And just like your eating disorder is going to get you. (laughs) That's like not a way to live. And like, not. I don't want to be putting all my energy towards these things that aren't going to matter in like X amount of years. Like there's like no physical way that I could sustain the life and the body that I was existing in when I'm like 30. Like there's just like no generic possible way or like genetic possible way either. So it's like, why was I putting in so much time and energy and effort and letting it consume my life for something that isn't going to matter and isn't going to make a difference? Like if I don't want to be putting the time and energy into it in like five years, Like, why am I going to be doing it, like, right now? And also the fact that it was, like, five years for me. Like, when I was, like, looking back this, like, past, like, um, winter, I was talking with my mom about it. And I was, like, oh, my gosh. Like, I've been struggling this for five years. It does not feel like it's been, like, that long. And, like, just the fact Mm -hmm. that, like, that's how short, like, life is and that I spent, like, one-fourth of it at this point, like, consumed and, like, caring about this thing, that is – unhealthy for me and just making my life miserable like I was like I'm done I'm done with it I'm done but yeah yeah Yeah, I like I really relate to like looking back at the past like time that I've had my eating disorder like I've had a lot of really wonderful things happen to me too like I met like the love of my life I went on a mission trip for my church I have met, like, some of my best friends, and, like, I've done, like, all of these things, but, like you said, like, every memory, like, has some sort of tie to my eating disorder, which, like, I'm only 20, and I'm looking back, and I'm, like, I can't believe I've, like, let this control me and, like, rule me for so long, like, I can't even imagine what I'm gonna look like when I'm 80 years old and I'm looking back on my life. People always tell me, if it's not going to matter to you in five years, then don't worry about it for more than five minutes, right? But 
And, like, I look back and I'm, like, I'm not going, like, five years from now, I'm not going to be looking back and saying, like, you know what? I'm so glad that when I was out with my friends, I didn't eat the pizza and I ate something else. Like, yeah, no, I'm going to be like, why, why didn't I eat the pizza? (laughs) Like, this is ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. Something you talked about yesterday, Lauren, was like living full moments. Mm -hmm. And I think that really stands out to me of like, in these recovery moments or like in these eating disorder moments, they're, they're not actually, it's not the whole moment. There's mm-hmm. like that other side to it. Did you want to talk about yeah, that a little bit? Sure. So when I, I was in, I, I was hospitalized for my eating disorder in the summer of 2020. And I spent like a week really just like by myself sitting in a bed and a lot of time to think. And I was talking to a friend and we were talking kind of just about um, eating disorders, specifically in the dance community. And um, she said this thing about this idea of full moments. And I was like, wait a second, that like sticks. And again, not pun intended, but pun intended, like full moments you need to eat. And with full moments, like the whole moment. <laughs> like, I realized that I, like I said, I was living in these half moments where I was like my own Hannah Montana, like split two completely different like memories and I'm like that's not fair like I want full moments I want to be present I want to experience life that's full of full moments and be able to be able to like to look at them and not feel like I have any like regret about that so that's where my like full moments mantra came from and honestly it has like gotten me through some like the hardest hardest days like I love it I'm actually I'm gonna get it tattooed on me I think but yeah so that's my mantra do either of you have any mantras or any like sayings that you really like stick by when it comes to recovery I know that the title the obviously the title of the podcast recovery is not selfish is a big one itself Mm -hmm. but do you have either any like words or things that you find yourself coming back to on the harder days I definitely do I was with um my friend and I always joke about how when you're in treatment you either like develop childlike tendencies or grandma-like tendencies yeah <laughs> wait that's so that's so true that's funny. that's funny because like Hallie and I would sit around in residential and like we would just be crocheting together and I was like wow this feels like a grandma party here but like at the same time in php iop my friends and I would make like little bracelets or like friendship bracelets or things like that and I was like tapping into my inner child And my friend got all the, like, beaded stuff to make Mm -hmm. bracelets, and we would hang out, and we would just kind of chat together. And one day, she was like, let's make bracelets for each other that, like, have cute little sayings on them. And the one that she put on mine, literally, like, it stuck, like, it stuck with me. I still wear it, like, to this day. Um, It says, it takes time. And... Lauren has a bracelet too. I have, one that says, I have one that says full moments too. Oh my gosh. So funny that I made in residential like right before I left and I wear it every day as well. Oh, that's Aww. funny. Yeah. So I think my mantra is it takes time because I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself to kind of like try and recover as fast as I possibly can. But I think like anything else, like if you do a rush job, it's not going to be perfect. It's And recovery is never going to be perfect. Yeah. But it's a marathon, not a sprint. Exactly. That's what, Ooh, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I am um, in res, my therapist. I, w- I was very upset with myself for having turned to an eating disorder um, to cope and deal with like life and all that fun jazz. 
And so something she told me often, and by often, I mean like every day, (laughs) she, (laughs) she always told me that there was coping or wisdom in all my coping mechanisms and like how I chose to cope. It may not have been like the best, you know, choice, but there was wisdom in it. Like it was serving me a purpose. It was doing something for me. And um, I think that kind of became a mantra for me of like, this is, it's, there's wisdom in it and it's not the thing that I want to be doing. And there's wisdom in other coping as well. Um, And so I think that helped a lot with like my frustration with myself for having turned to an ED in order to cope with life because the ED did serve a purpose for me. It, you know, protected me or whatever, provided comfort and it was not healthy. And there's other coping strategies I can use to replace those ED behaviors that brought me that stuff. Yeah, I feel that. I think along the same lines, like one of the best assignments that I was ever given in therapy was to like write out everything that my eating disorder has done for me. And I chose to do that like in a thank you letter kind of way because at one point my eating disorder did serve a purpose for me and it was a coping mechanism and it was something that like while it was very maladaptive, it was what I wanted and needed in that moment. And so I think the way that I kind of like phrased my letter was I was like, thank you for everything that you've done for me, but also like screw you because this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think like it was a point for me to just like take a step back and be like, okay, my eating disorder has served this purpose. It has done X, Y, and Z for me, um, but it also has done X, Y, and Z to me. And mm-hmm. like I'm ready to find a more appropriate coping mechanism so like now what like what tools can I use in my tool belt to fill that space that the eating disorder filled so yeah a thought that I have off of like both of that like the purpose or like the thankfulness like for what the ED like gave to you and I haven't I don't think I've ever shared this actually like on any form of like social media but right now I feel like I'm in a stage of my recovery where I'm finding a lot of gratitude for the struggle that like I went through and like recognizing that I hit such a low low that it that that without hitting like as low of a low as I hit I don't think I would be this person that I am today I think that I would still probably be very enmeshed in like diet culture like I wouldn't have this awareness I wouldn't have this language and like literacy and like this ability to articulate my thoughts and understand my thoughts and cope with my thoughts as well as I do right now. So like a part of me is like so grateful that it took away so much from me, but also at the same time, it gave me so much. Like it's given me a better relationship with my family. It's given me more respect for myself. It's given me this new passion and identity that like without it, like honestly, like I don't know the person like I would be or like what I would be doing. Because again, like while it did take so much from me, it gave me, even like that much more back and while those five years like 
were absolute hell and I would never wish that upon anybody and I wouldn't ever want to go back to the place that I was it also makes me more grateful for now this life that like I'm living in and for those like littler moments and like being able to exist in like full moments which I feel like it's like kind of weird to say like thank you eating disorder I'm so glad that I had an eating disorder because like I'm not but also at the same time it's like cool to have be able to see like this like growth that I've made as a person and like it really has shaped me and me into the person that I am today and I like myself right now like I'm pretty I'm pretty into this person that I am so I'm like cool thanks for that yeah yeah there's um a phrase that I've heard that I've like really loved it's like rainfall may come as trials but flowers need rain to grow and so I think it's just like I love that it's just like looking at the fact that like life can suck sometimes But in order to become the person that you need to become, like, you need to go through hard things. Um, Yeah. And I definitely would not be the person that I am today if it weren't, like, for all of the trials that I've been through. Like, eating disorder aside, like, there's other things that I've been through Mm -hmm. that I'm, like, I'm, not that I'm grateful, but I'm glad that I am the person that I am today because it has definitely shaped me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There's, like, you know... Whenever you admit to a new treatment center, you have to do all these assessments and um, so many assessments. It's literally like a whole entire day of the same, like the same questions being asked you by like five different people. And you're like a part of, a part of me is always thought, I'm like, why don't they just sit you down in a room with like a panel and have that panel just like everybody can just take notes of the same <laughs> Yeah. Like, that's honestly what it, it would be so much easier and so much faster but sorry. 100%, 100%, 100% and then I don't have to tell the same thing over again 500 really? times <laughs> um, but there's so many assessments and I remember one of the questions that stood out to me in the beginning and the end of my treatment journey was um, I believe that it was like how much do you agree with this statement? And it was like, I believe, or I feel like this experience has made me, um, like my experience with mental health has made me a better person because of it. And I remember in the beginning, I was like, what the hell? Like that is a weird question to ask anyone. And um, in the end, I was able to be like, yeah, actually really do believe that this experience made me who I am today. And I'm grateful for it, even though it was horrible and like not the best thing to go through. um, It still made me a better person because of it. And like, now I feel like I can understand other people better and can connect with people more because of these things. So <laughs> I'm sitting here laughing because a part of my head is like thinking, I'm like, it seems like we're advertising getting an eating disorder right now. I know. <laughs> I'm like, wait, we're not. Like, don't, don't get an eating disorder, please. It's not, it's not like, <laughs> all, like, great. It's like, struggle for a little bit and then you're going to become a great person. We're not. Yeah, yeah no. no. But that's funny right now that we're like, yeah, no. But it's true though. Like we are all the individuals we are today because of what we've been through and like what we've been through well it has been shit it's like yeah it still made us like who we are and I do feel like that we have there's almost like this like maturity too that comes with having mental health like struggles and like being able to like overcome them and I feel like that 
I can recognize or like I can see there's like such a difference between like the people that have done the inner work and like actually like asked the ghost questions with themselves and like done that self-growth and those who haven't had the opportunity to do so yet yeah yeah and I'm grateful that I feel like I have had the opportunity to do that yeah definitely not like promoting ease <laughs> like don't have one yeah, don't no, do this it. ain't it this ain't it <laughs> but like that's like I feel like that's one of the great purposes of like having this podcast as well is like while eating disorders are like heavy topics and like sad and they're not a fun thing to be dealing with from either like a perspective of a loved one or like yourself but also there is this other side of it too that's like lighthearted and like you can find like the gratitude within it you can find the humor within recovery like yeah at the end of the day and this is again not to dismiss and we're not saying have any disorder we're not dismissing disorders but like we were afraid of food for a point of our lives like we literally were afraid (laughs) of food and it's like that's kind of funny if you think about it but like (laughs) at the time like with the information and the coping skills we knew and how to use that made sense that that's how we reacted and that's like what we went to to get that sense of control like back in our lives but now being able to have gained those other coping skills and figure out healthier ways to handle those things to look back at it it's kind of like oh my goodness that's a that's a little that's a little kooky that's a that's a little little kooky that's a little funny that's a little funny (laughs) but yeah. yeah 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 I was talking to one of my friends from residential and she said that she was sitting um with one of the staff members and the staff member just started like giggling to herself and she looked over and she's like what is so funny and the staff member was the diet tech and for those of you who don't know what a diet tech is they're basically the ones that like help to cook and prepare the food in residential treatment and she was just like giggling to herself and she said I cook for people who don't want to eat and then when I make them eat it, they get mad at me. <laughs> she was like, that's my job. <laughs> and again, oh not to discredit eating disorders, but it was just kind of like a little funny because it's yeah. so true. Like that is her job. That is what she does. And like we are genuinely afraid of food, like at yeah. the end of the day. And it's like yeah. you can choose to be like sad Hallie I think you said this like yesterday and you articulated probably better than I could so I don't know if you want to like jump in and take it but that like you can choose to be sad or you can choose to find like the humor in it yeah if you like I know for me like if I'm sitting around and being very serious about my eating disorder 24 7 I'm gonna just cry all the time like I need a moment of relief of like this is kind of funny like I'm sitting here and like this patient is screaming at a staff member over like a singular almond that happened (laughs) singular almond and again at the time not to discredit where that person was coming from like that's what they were feeling and where their emotions were but like being able to yeah sorry I just remembered the story I literally forgot about that (laughs) so you said that I was like you unlocked a memory (laughs) yeah like I've I've like sobbed over like having to put butter on a fucking waffle and I mean that's life okay like that that happens butter goes on waffles like why am I crying over this and like being mean to this staff member because I have to put butter on a waffle I legitimately I had to eat a cheeseburger and I 
if, if you were to walk by the house or like you, you wouldn't have known I was in the basement and everybody else was upstairs if you were just like hearing it I literally was like screaming as if I was being like brutally murdered and all I was doing was literally sitting in front of a cheeseburger and it's like well yeah okay I because of my history like and like the trauma that I have like it makes sense that that was my reaction but now with where I'm at right now thinking back to the fact that I was literally like I'm done I'm done I don't think I can be here anymore because of a cheeseburger like we've all we've all been there though we all yeah Yeah. we've all been there but yeah Yeah. okay so I think to kind of close out I want to ask this question and now that we've had more time to think about it maybe we'll have different answers than we did before but what is your funniest story from treatment any any level of care let's just go for it okay I did when we asked this question on Sunday I like my answer I came up with but then also I thought of another thing that was funny that happened so I think I'll tell that one this time okay okay have a new one okay okay i can go while everybody else thinks um so and this is about darcy and if you haven't listened to um my podcast we eat the fucking food darcy has been on there twice she was my first roommate when i was in residential best friend absolutely lover um and this is probably like close enough to like when she was about to leave and they accidentally so it was like dinner time and they had accidentally given her an extra serving of rice like a bigger scoop than she needed for her meal plan and they were like oh you don't have to like eat that like that's fine and stuff just like leave that there but during the meal she had forgotten that they told her that she didn't need to eat it so she ate it and then afterwards she was like distraught about it like I'm, and that's like that's just eating disorders like you can do an action and then like feel like the guilt afterwards but in order to like make her feel better about it everybody like she just went out to the milieu and laid like flat like on the ground with her head on the ground just like down and we all there's probably like nine of us at the time we all just like circled around her and did the exact same thing so you have like nine girls like laying like face down on the floor in the milieu just like absolutely like silent for like five minutes and the counselors were like is going on <laughs> there and it's like that's also that i feel like the great thing about and not to again like tangent i'm such a tangenter but um that's like the cool thing about like recovery is like you get this community like you get like this like group of people like it's generally at least in my experience being in res it's a sorority you're it you're at summer camp you're at summer yeah. camp yeah. <laughs> yeah but yeah so that's my funny thing it's just like quirky little things like that but yeah yeah so shout out to darcy if you're listening to this hey dw <laughs> <laughs> I can go next um it's gonna sound like oh that's really sad and in the moment I was totally like distraught and upset about it but looking back at it now I think it's hilarious um it was my first week in treatment in PHP and I had a they gave me a snack list. I was at ERC. They gave me a snack list and I circled what I was okay with. And I remember there was um, muffins and then it was like chocolate or blueberry. And I circled blueberry and I made sure to tell the dietitian, I was like, only give me a blueberry muffin. Don't give me chocolate. First week I'm there, they gave me a chocolate muffin and I <laughs> broke down I sobbed throughout the entire snack and then for like an hour after and I like it was the first time I had 
like ever gotten upset with anyone in my treatment and um because I was an IOP for like two months before and I like yelled at my therapist I was like they gave me a freaking chocolate muffin and she was like that's why we're crying right now and I was like yes <laughs> and then I saw my dietitian later and I was like don't you ever do that to me again and now I eat chocolate muffins like whenever I want I think it's hilarious looking back on the story there's like a video of me mid breakdown like in the room and I'm like no more chocolate muffins like that is not happening again. <laughs> it's like me crying. <laughs> and you're like watching back and you're like, nice. You're like, that was the yeah. moment in my life. That was- yeah. <laughs> good times. Good times. <laughs> yeah. So I think that like was, it's so funny to me now. In the moment, I was like, this is the worst thing to ever happen to me. <laughs> I think it's hilarious now. Yeah. Funny. So I think... My favorite memory, um, a funny memory from treatment, is um, we went on an outing. We were just, like, walking around. And I think I shared this story off the record last time, so I'm sharing it on the record this time. <laughs> um, we were just, like, walking by, and one of my friends stopped, and she was looking at a bush that had these, like, little red berries on it, and she asked the counselor who was with us she's like hey what are these and the counselor's like immediate reaction was don't eat that and we were like walking (laughs) away later and I turned to my friend and I was like I don't know why she said that because I think one thing you can count on with this group of people is to just not eat the random things that we find (laughs) on the side of the road and it was just so funny and I think it just like got funnier as we progressively told people like we told one of the other counselors and he immediately was like no you guys know he was like that is not no and he just walks <laughs> away that's actually like, funny too i have a similar story. i just remember just talking memory i was there during like halloween and i was on a walk too with darcy and we were walking by and somebody was like handing out candy and the counselor was like you can't take that and we're like that's i wasn't gonna take it anyway but thank you for <laughs> the option it's like do you know where we are do you know where you are <laughs> contextual clues friends contextual <laughs> yeah. clues yeah Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, okay, wait. I have like one more question before we wrap up that I was going to ask on Sunday, but then the conversation didn't go to this. But okay. So say as if, if we think of treatment as Hogwarts and we think of um, CBT um, Act and like DBT as the houses, which house are you sorted into? Act. 100%. I agree. Act. Me too. And I don't know if that's a CFD thing, but Act is by far my favorite one as well so for those oh, who 100%. don't know um <laughs> act is acceptance commitment therapy and it's basically like trying to like help you accept the fact that you have an eating disorder and like now what like how do you cope with it yeah I like accepting it too. i love it accepting therapy baby acceptance uh-huh. commitment therapy that's <laughs> an incredible question by the way Thank you. That, yeah, that was really good. <laughs> I asked my therapist um, why I liked it so much because it's like probably the least structured group mm-hmm, and I like agree. form of therapy that I've experienced. Like DBT is really hard. It's like this is like you suck and <laughs> it's like, okay. Yeah. And then CBT is like very also direct, but ACT is like very loose and 
doesn't have as much structure and I love structure. So I was like, to my therapist, I was like, why do I like this form of therapy when it doesn't even help me or it doesn't have like the structure that I like because ACT helps me so much. Um, And she was like, because over-controlled people tend to like the other side of things. Like it gives you freedom in that. And so I was like, okay, okay. I like that answer. That makes some sense. That makes some sense. Yeah. <laughs> Love that we're all sorted into the ACT house. Question for you if you're listening, comment below. What house are you in? We got to know. <laughs> yes. Gotta know. Gotta know. Question of the week. Question of the week. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what, Janelle? Oh, I was just going to say, Holly, it's like there's wisdom in your coping or something like that yes all right so before we wrap up how is everybody going to take care of themselves today i'm taking a little page out of lauren's book this is how she ends all of her podcasts so how how are we all going to take care of ourselves holly do you want to go first sure i am going to go to program for my mental health and um be open and honest in therapy today yeah out of you thank you and i will pass it to janelle um today i am also going to go to program um, Yay! Yay! <laughs> um and i'm going to um bring up some things to my therapist that I have been putting off a little bit, mm-hmm. so. Proud of you. Way to be vulnerable. Two gold Thank stars you. for you. Yay, gold Thank stars. You. It pluses all around. Um, <laughs> I have work today, so, oh. yeah, I'm going to, I work at a coffee shop, like I said, and I am going to let myself have a coffee drink if I want to, because yes. one of one of my big bitch foods are liquid calories, but I feel so that really, really <laughs> nice outside here today. It's like 70 degrees and I'm like a matcha, an oat milk lavender matcha sounds splendid. Yes. So I was getting that today to take care of myself. Yay. Oh, thank you both for letting me come on this. I literally adore both of you. You are the sweetest, oh. most precious people. I'm oh. so, proud, so proud of you. I'm so excited that we now have this friendship and I get to continue to watch y'all's podcast grow and y'all's recovery grow and flourish. But yeah. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Thank you me. for doing a take two. I love yeah. that too. I was like, when you're like, I'm so sorry. I was like, no, I was like, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to both of you because I will gladly hop back on and talk again. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Have a great rest of your day, ladies. You too. And Lauren, take this with you. You remember your recovery is not selfish. It is not selfish. And you take this with you to eat the fucking food. We will. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.